You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1037 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. With only 95 calories and 2 bucks carbs, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast will be a two-parter. Myself and Ben Pfeiffer uh, talking about the NBA draft. This is part one you're listening to right now, and part two should be in your feeds momentarily, if not already. And uh, before we get to Ben, though, there is some news to hit on from the last couple of days, and I want to plug one more time the two-part episode I did with PD Webb. Uh, a lot of fun, some good feedback on that one, and PD is very smart, so that's still in your feed as well. All kinds of draft content as the draft is only two weeks away at this point in time. At any rate, back to the news, and Sham Sharania earlier this week reported some stuff about John Collins, nothing Terribly out of the ordinary, but still some noteworthy uh, sentiments in there from Shams. I'm going to quote him here. He wrote, Across the league, many believe the Hawks forward slash center, John Collins, increased his value as a maximum contract caliber player during Atlanta's run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Nothing new there for me. I've heard the same thing that Shams is hearing. Um, I know there are some Hawks fans that I interact with on Twitter that are seemingly lower on Collins now after the playoffs, but that's the opposite of what I've heard around the league. People around the league were impressed by his willingness and his ability to play a smaller role. Also, his mid-range shooting acumen, his defense was better at times in the playoffs, etc. So um, while some might think his stock fell, I think the consensus that I have, at least that I can glean, is that his stock, if anything, went a little bit higher during that playoff run. Um, Also in that same reporting, he reported that Dallas, Miami, San Antonio, and Minnesota are, quote, among the teams expected to show interest in Collins, end quote, and some of them believe that he could be attainable as a restricted free agent. So nothing really crazy in terms of the teams that are off the radar here. You know, Dallas, Miami, San Antonio all could, I should stress, could have enough cap space to sign him outright, whereas Minnesota would not. There would have to be a sign-and-trade for them unless they clear some space another way, but Minnesota has long been rumored to be interested in Collins. Um, Miami and Dallas might be looking elsewhere, um, but we'll see where they end up landing with their cap space funds, and San Antonio is always an enigma. So interesting in terms of just teams being out there and associated with Collins. I still think the Hawks are the most likely team that he ends up with at the end of this cycle, but that's the latest on John. Elsewhere, Trey Young. Um, this is going to be kind of an odd segment for me to do on this podcast, but I promise you it's relevant. Trey Young is now number 11 on the list of the most popular jerseys in the NBA. That covers the second half of the season. Again, not, not a huge basketball impact here, but in my recollection, this is the first time that I know of in the last you know, several years, we'll say, to be broad about it, that a Hawk has ever made this list. It's only a top 15 that the NBA releases, and usually the Hawks are not represented on that list. Even when they were good, they never had a guy that sold jerseys like that. And uh, it's another reminder of Trey and his popularity both locally and elsewhere. Also, the NBA does release the top 10 ranking of the team merchandise. The Hawks didn't make that cut necessarily. They were not on that list. But there is a clear uptick, I think, in franchise popularity right now, keyed by Young, which is definitely nice to see. Uh, Before we get to Ben, a uh, second brought to you by our friends at Michelob Ultra. And it's the Ultra Moment of the Week. And this week, it actually is going to be a little bit of pseudo news that I want to pass along as part of the Ultra Moments segment. So the Hawks are playing right now, so you kind of have to dig a little bit for moments, quote-unquote, I would say quote-unquote. But at almost 11 p.m. Eastern time on Monday night, Trey Young tweeted a pair of emojis. And 
this is not normally the area that I focus on with the podcast. Social media stuff can be uh, exhausting slash befuddling slash, you know, maybe not always the clearest medium. But that one seemed pretty clear to me, and it's been noted for a long time um, that Trey may be not thrilled that he was not invited to Team USA this year. He did not say that immediately at that point in time, but most people assumed, including me, that was a reference to Team USA, who had just lost their second straight exhibition game in the warm-up for Tokyo. Then, tonight, as I'm recording this on Thursday evening, Young tweeted an American flag emoji and a reference to the infamous clip of Isaiah Thomas saying that he met the criteria for the Dream Team in 1992. And that was not exactly subtle. So that uh, clarified things a little bit, at least in my view. Like uh, Trey can, uh, you know, <laughs> I think is uh, justified in his disappointment for not being in the uh, Team USA pool this year. I know Hawks fans are very upset about this, and I think that's justifiable. I think that team does not have uh, a player of his uh, archetype that can break down defenses off a dribble and as an elite passer. And Bradley Beal now is not going to be able to go to Tokyo. So that sort of uh, brought the case up yet again for Trey to make the uh, trip to Tokyo. So uh, at this moment in time, I know of nothing that would tell me that Trey's going to be the guy they ask. And obviously he is a little bit injured, which people have kind of forgotten as well after the playoff run. But still, it would have been nice to have Trey Young involved and have something else to talk about for the Hawks. Um, at any rate, that tweet made the rounds and Hawks fans got even, even more fired up. So it was definitely a moment to be following. Go check out tons of other ultra, ultra moments with the hashtag ultra moment. Not if I catch with his carbs, only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The Nickelodeon Ultra Moment this week goes to Trey Young on Twitter. I am joined now by a repeat guest on the Lots on Hawks podcast. It's draft time, and that means Ben Pfeiffer is here. Hello, sir. I think this is, I said this before, uh, We sort of, I think this is our third consecutive year of of having me on Lockdown Hawks, so uh, as as always, thanks for having me on. I look forward to this one always, so. Yeah, my, my apologies, I guess, for that, but I uh, I appreciate <laughs> you, I appreciate you doing it. Um, we're diving in, as I was talking about with PD the other day when we were recording, uh, it's a bit of a short cycle, so uh, I've been, uh, you know, sure, just, yeah. just playing the hits right now, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I do want to ask you, you had meant something to me before we started recording, that you uh, pretty much jumped on the Hawks bandwagon during the playoffs. Is this, is this accurate? Yeah, I totally did. Um, I did it before the playoffs, so, uh, which, which was a good call, um, jumping on both the Hawks and the Suns bandwagon. But I feel more attached to Atlanta. Um, and I'm kind of falling out of love with the Pacers. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say so, I, I knew I knew you were a Pacers guy deep down somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure if that it, still stands, but there you go. It'll always be there. It just will. But I'm definitely into. I love watching the Hawks. They're so fun. Um, and I will always root for Nate McMillan. Uh, always. So that's just an extra plus for there. Yeah, uh, Nate's been a delight. Uh, obviously, I love him. I am st- like I, I was always like a staunch Nate defender when I like covered and tweeted about the Pacers. Um, so I am excited um, to be light, slightly vindicated. Yeah, I mean, it's that obviously went very, very well, and now he'll be around for a while. I'm not going to make you talk about the Hawks too much, but uh, <laughs> anything jump out to you? I mean, obviously, Trey Young being good is uh, a pretty clear takeaway from the playoffs, but uh, did anything strike you as uh, particularly interesting? Like, for instance, you're a draft guy. I want to ask you about a Kongwu. Like, do you. Like, I was, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, I think Onyek is going to be awesome. Um, like,. I think the pick definitely makes more sense now, like seeing it actually happen in the playoffs than um, at the time of the draft. Because at the time of the draft, I mean, I was like kind of a on the pick because despite liking Onyeka quite a bit, so prospects I thought where they took him was fine enough value, like not a steal but far from a reach. Um, it just like didn't make so much sense um, with Onyeka with Collins and Capella, of course. But I think 
like watching it mesh together, it definitely works. Um, I just like, oh, like it was clear that like Onyeka's ability to depend to defend in a, a multitude of pick and roll coverages, to to work on the perimeter, and to add some value as a role man, even a face up scorer at times, uh, was was really impressive. So, I'm I don't think might be even a little bit higher on Onyeka than I was last year after seeing him this year. Um, like I think he's going to work better with Collins and Capella than I thought. I don't know what their long term plans are, but especially after Capella kind of broke out this year. Yeah, I think eventually they're going to have to probably choose because, you know, Capella's, yeah. Capella was awesome this year, which I, I've been saying repeatedly. Like, they don't even make the playoffs about Capella, I don't think. That, that's how that's how important he was. Like, he, uh, in the regular season, yeah, I honestly friend, could argue he would, he was, would he was he was minimum their number two best, number two most valuable. Uh, yeah, our friend Andrew Kelly would, would always say that. he's that He was their best player in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, a- Andrew and I have talked about this a lot as well, and I probably will get Andrew to come on this podcast before, before the draft. But, yeah, I mean, Capella was so valuable. And uh, eventually, though, like, when you draft a guy at number six who's a center, you probably have to, like, play him starter minutes in the first three years at some point. So we'll see what they do there. But I figured you'd be at least intrigued to, to, to discuss on the and your adopted uh, team in Atlanta. It's, it's yes, pretty exciting. I do like, yeah, I'm excited about Onyeka. I think he fits well. Um, but I think as the passing continues to expand, like it's just going to work even better. Um, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be fun. I, I won't make it keep going on, on the Hawks, but uh, just note, <laughs> just note it for the record, Ben Pfeiffer, Hawks fan. He said it out loud. It's on. It's being recorded as we're talking right it's, now. So it, it's been far. It's been on the record like for, <laughs> for at least a month now. But yeah, I guess like a whole, a whole, a whole month, Ben. A whole month. A whole month. Whole of month. I'm I'm like on the record also being like being pro bandwagoning. So. I'm I'm excited about it, this 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 new development. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if we're being if we're being honest with with everyone involved, there were a lot of people who did not care about the Hawks like th- two months ago that now are Hawks fans, and that's not a bad thing. Like, it's you want to grow the fan base, not gatekeep in general. So I'm pro uh, being open to people jumping on because that's how the fan base grows. Yeah, it's it's a good thing. People having fun and enjoying basketball. Don't gatekeep it. <laughs> go go, bas- go basketball. Um, all right, well, let's get into the, let's get into the draft. Um, I, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna spend a ton of time at the top of the draft. I do want to ask you this, I'm, and I, I did not prep you with this, about this at all. But uh, do you have like your guys in capital letters in this class? Do you have one or two that are like your guys that you're higher on, or is this one where you I haven't do, found that guy yet? Who is it? Fire away. Um, People, people, listeners who who know me will know. Um, my guys, they're in my Twitter bio. Um, are uh, <laughs> because I don't have to fill my Twitter bio anymore with with a bunch of ads. I can fill them with players I love. Um, so my main like Jaden Springer has been my guy since like basically like day one of this season. Oh, pe- people are gonna love this because PD uh, raved about Jaden Springer on the last episode. Uh, so you're yeah. gonna be following that up as well. So keep that. I don't it's, think, it's the Jaden Springer cast now. I don't think there's a realistic fit I like more for Springer than Atlanta. I think among non-realistic fits, I like Charlotte more, but that's not happening. Um, because him and he and Lamelo would be unbelievable. Um, my other guys are Josh Giddy, Evan Mobley, and Rocco Prakachin. Um, and Deuce McBride tentatively, but like I, I'm like, like sad to admit that I'm a little lower on him than I once was, but I still love him endlessly. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's talk about a couple of these guys. You know, Springer, I could tee up, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna make you do that. We'll come back to him later on because he actually could be in the Hawks range. Uh, yes, he very so, likely will be at this point, honestly. Yeah, so we'll we'll do that a little bit later. Uh, 
sell me on Evan Mobley. Like I like Evan Mobley, but I, I know I've seen there's kind of a divide. Uh, not not from draw Twitter. People generally like Evan Mobley, but I've seen some skepticism of him out there. And I think not that Hawks fans have to worry about this a whole lot right now. But I'm I'm wondering what your what your pitch is on Evan Mobley. Is it just that he can do everything well? Like what's what's the selling point on Evan Mobley for you? Yeah, I just um, defensive superstar, um, the best defensive prospect I've ever seen. And you know, I, I don't have full information, but like I, you know, bet a good amount of money. He's one, he's one of, if not the best, in the last ten or twenty years. Um, obvious defensive player of the year upside. Um, you know, if it wasn't for uh, uh, Victor Wembanyama, you know, it probably might not be a while till we get one like him. But you know, Wemby is, if you've been following the the U 19s is. Um, just, just something else. Um, oh, and yeah. Then, yeah, just a, an ultra scalable offensive utility piece, um, with some real, I think, scoring upside as well. Um, you know, I think the idea is like, you know, the, like, like the, the Ben Taylor special, like number two offense, number one defense guy on like a championship winning team, like Anthony Davis, um, not necessarily making that comparison one to one, but just in terms of role and, and value. So yeah, I mean Evan Mobley, like he is like pretty close to a perfect defensive prospect to me, and just like a very very good offensive one. And I think, I mean, I mean, I think the Mobley stuff is like kind of ridiculous being low on him. Like I, I think there are like that you can kind of make a good faith argument to have him like maybe at like three. Um, like, but like, y- you can definitely not be as high on him as me. Like, I have him in the same tier as Cade, and that's not because I'm low on Cade at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mobley's incredible. Like, he's he's so good. Yeah, um, like, I- I'm like, uh, I'm close. Not, I- I'm I'm sure you're higher on him than I am, but I. I have him, you know, firmly in the top three, and I, I can go back and forth with Jalen Green, honestly, depending on the day. This is the wrong podcast for that, but. Uh, I always understand it with Jalen Green, but I, I am very pro Mobley as well. Like, yes, he's skinny. I guess that's a knock. Um, rebounding, not his, like, uber strength. But I'm, I'm generally with you. Like, there's a lot to like there. I, I still think that I can understand um, taking Green over him, but I can't get any – I can't get, get beyond that, basically. Yeah, I wouldn't do it, but I, like – Understand where you'd be coming from if you were if you're making that decision. Yeah, I mean, just you know, it's basically just perimeter guys and upside. Like Jalen Green's upside is pretty pretty awesome offensively. Like, and that's yeah. what I, I don't. Mean, you know, yeah, I, I would like. I, th- I think because I've done so much Mobley defending over the past month, <laughs> you're, so, you're dug in right now. <laughs> I've like maybe some people view me as like anti Green when that's extremely not true. Like, I love Jalen Green. I think he's a fantastic prospect. He's you know solid star upside. Um, just like not as good as Mobley, but a really, really good prospect. And like, it's going to be a very good NBA player. Like that's, you know, I think it's pretty clear. Oh yeah. I, uh, I buy him as well. I do want to ask you, cause I'm not sure how much we're talking about this guy. Cause I think he's going to be right in the middle of, there's this range of guys who are not top five picks, but are not going to be around for the Hawks that I'm just not going to talk about a lot. Like I think James book Knights in this class, for instance, like guys, I just, I'm going to kind of ignore, yeah. uh, you mentioned Josh Giddy. He's in that range. I think like, I can't imagine him getting to 20 now with the buzz on him. So yeah, we'll he t- will not. Let's take, let's, let's take this time uh, for you to talk about Josh Giddy because I like him too. I just don't know how much I want to talk about him. Yeah. Giddy, just like another, like really valuable, you know, wing creator prospect. Um, obviously a special passer. Everybody knows that, but I think, with you know quite a few different avenues to self-creation development and upside, 
Um, I think he's going to be like huge and strong. He's already made weight gains and shown the ability to use his strength and as a creation tool. Handle could improve. I think there's a ceiling, but again, has already shown some ability to beat guys with his handle and his frame. And you know, he's already great at using his frame to cover angles. And then the shooting, which I'm definitely buying because he's already like comfortable taking off dribble pull-ups and mid-ranges and some tough jumpers as you know an 18-year-old in a good league. Um, and just like guys who do that um, tend to be shooters in the league. So just a guy with you know like potential for some like really really strong both on and off ball offense as the lead decision maker I think and as a complimentary guy um, and then someone who's like currently quite bad at defense but is also uh, in an 18, an 18 year old playing in a pro league um, carrying like an extreme usage and he's smart enough to where and large enough to where he's going to be just fine. I was going to so, say I mean he, the, the, the the six eight part helps. It's kind of like mellow in some ways like just being six seven six yeah, eight like mellow helps. Was, yeah. <laughs> Like Mello was probably always going to be like a like, like an okay enough defender, and Giddy is a pretty decently better defender than Mello at the moment. Like Giddy is not good, but like Mello was obviously atrocious. In, he was in the NBL, um, and you know he still has ways to go. But Giddy is a, a better defender than Mello, and is always going to have a better frame. So when you're like reasonably athletic and six eight and super smart, those three things like. There's a there's kind of a floor on how bad you can be, in my opinion. That's probably yeah. oversimplifying it a little bit, but yeah. I, had this, I had the same point about Melo. Like I, I knew how bad it was at, in at the you know pre NBA levels, but it's just a combination of like when you feel the game that way and you're that long, like you can't be just absolutely awful. I mean, maybe maybe you can, but I, I didn't I didn't believe it was going to happen. It's hard. It's yeah. difficult. It is. I mean, unless you're just a terrible athlete or something like that, and Giddy's not. Like, he's reasonably Yeah, and enough. I think Giddy's going to be strong as hell, like I said. So he's going to be a guy who I think can, like, check, like, some real power wings, um, like which is going to be really fun and useful for his utility. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, well, we'll get away from the top right now unless you have uh, fire takes. Oh, I guess before we do that, uh, is there anybody that is a consensus top – seven, eight, ten guy that you do not buy? Is there someone that you are very low on that is ranked highly in most of the box stuff? Yes. Um, Uh-oh. The, the three main ones are uh, Kuminga, uh, Sangoon, and Mitchell, and Davion. Um, I, I, like I said, like, like, that's a weird range. Like, I'm not as high on Scotty Barnes. Like, I wouldn't take him in the top four or five. But, like, I still think he's a lottery pick. Like, I still think Scotty yeah. is good. Um, Keon, I'm really high on, which I think a lot of isn't super common among draft footer at least. Uh, I think my uh, quick, t- I think because of like the time off and like my kind of isolation, my my board has is like more a consensus than ever in terms of like both draft footer <laughs> and mainstream, which is cool. I mean, it's it's always super a consensus for mainstream. Sure. Um, and then like thinking about the other girls. Oh yeah, Book Knight I think is a, a travesty that high. Um, I am not so, the but, biggest fan either. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm probably Knight, not as low as yeah. you. Based on yeah. based on based on your word on your word choice there of travesty, yeah. I'm probably not quite as low. But I also don't see like I've seen him yeah. mocked at like six, and it's like that's not. Uh, it's no, no it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I'm looking at like the tangle. Like, yeah, I think I think Kuminga. I, I don't like uh, Sangoon, who I'm just, like just recently watching, and I, I, you know that high. I don't like Davion for sure. Uh, Book Knight for sure. Um, that's about it. Like, I don't have got like, yeah, I guess like, like you'll see like Isaiah Jackson that high, I guess, which I wouldn't like, but I don't really think that's likely sometimes. No, uh, I, I, I mean, I think he'll probably be a top 20 ish pick. I think it's um, fine, but yeah, I'm like, fine. I don't have him that high, but that's fine. I figured there'd be somebody, uh, that you were not high on. Before we get back to Ben, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. And the first of which is rockauto.com. 
With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the folks at BetOnline.ag. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, BetOnline is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, Golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. The promo code is LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I want to ask you about Sengun because... Again, not a guy that the Hawks are probably going to have any um, any tie to, but he's interesting to me because he's one of those guys. Like, if you just look at the translations and like talk about his age and all of that stuff, like you would think, wow, this makes a lot of sense. But also, the fit might be weird. Is that is that your problem with him? Is this like the translation of NBA in terms of like what yeah, he can actually do? Interesting one. Well, like he is stupidly good at basketball. Like he is insanely good. Um, and like he he his like dominance. Like the Turkish league isn't great, but like given that he's like a six nine eighteen year old, like the way he dominates that league is hilarious. Like in all facets of the game, um, but I I just think there are some notable issues with translation, like you said, and scalability that make me definitely lower on Sangoon. Um, offensively, um, again, like he is like a like a uniquely gifted young post scorer. Like not just like overwhelming physically, but like his touch and footwork and angles are incredible. Um, and but like. Guys, like, there, there just are very few NBA players who get routine post touches and actually generate efficient offense with those. And, like, Sangoon is just not tools needed enough to be one of them. So then, like, you ask, like, what does he do when he scales down? Because he's not going to be a good role man to me because he's just not explosive as a finisher. Um, and his passing is, I think it's pretty decent. I haven't seen a lot of, like, really quick decision making um, or... You know, like, just some basic ball movement stuff, like passes to cutters and DHOs, nothing crazy. So, I mean, I don't know how how much he scales back, especially because he's a non-shooter at this point. Um, like, his indicate, like, he, like, I think he can get to the point where he's shooting, like, corner three spot-ups, because everyone can. But, like, he just doesn't shoot at this point. And, like, the, the track record of people who just don't shoot at all, shooting, like, really well, is not very good. 
Um, so offensively, like, yes, I think could definitely have a role as like a bench scorer. Um, maybe he learns to shoot or develops more perimeter skills, perimeter skills or something there. And, and then defensively, like, has some good moments. Like, I think his movement is it's it's probably like it's problematic. I think he's pretty decent when it comes to like ground coverage and short area movement, like defending and drop and stuff. But again, I don't know how much that matters for someone who's six nine, like not that long or explosive. And then on the perimeter, like I do think there's some low hanging fruit because like his technique is just horrific on like closeouts and at the point of attack. And I think he'll look better on switches, especially when, when you clean it up. But again, like he's never going to be a switch guy and is and is short and is not going to be a rim protector. Um, so I just don't know what you do. It's like tough, it's, I watch, it's tough sell. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... I watched him play, like, like, like I said, he is hilariously dominant in the Turkish league. But I, I watched him play against uh, um, FS, who is probably the best team in Europe with with Shane Larkin, um, European Lillard. So, um, and like he was horrendous against them. Like they they made him look like a child. And obviously, like like most eighteen year olds would struggle in that situation. Right. But I think, like, given, like, some of the hype Sangoon has gotten, especially compared to someone like Garuba, who, like, I'm not huge on Garuba, but, like, he has, like, been a strongly effective defender in the EuroLeague for, like, a couple years now. Um, or, like, Rocco, who is, you know, a great defender and good on both ends in a better league. So I think, like, Sangoon is good. Uh, I think there's a role for him, especially if you get creative or he, you know, is an outlier development guy. And, like, the age and production is, is worth something, absolutely. But to me, that's worth more of like a back end first round pick than a lottery pick. So. Yeah, I think that's, and I will be the first to admit, I've not watched him as much as the college guys. I just haven't. Um, but yeah, what I haven't, I've, from what honestly. I've seen, like it's 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 a very easy thing to see where the split is because there are people, and I don't really blame them, that are just like, okay, MVP of the Turkish League at 18, 19 years old, like this guy's not going to fail because they're they're just no one really fails when they do that. Like it's kind of. I'm not gonna. This is not a comparison, but that was part of the appeal of of Luca in the draft. Was like, look, yeah. guys his age just doing what he's doing. Like they're not gonna yeah. fail. Um, Goga. Yeah, Goga's the same thing. I mean, Goga win an MVP in the, the something ABA. like that. Yeah, something something. Yeah. Over, I mean, Adriatically Adri- translations. Yeah. Like Turkish league is a good league too. It's not like it's yeah, not the Euro league, but it's about, good. Yeah, thinking about like those like Goga to me is like a decently better prospect than Sengun. Um, he won MVP of a better league. It's just yes, more it's translatable. Over. Like he, ha- yeah, he was just, exactly. he's like, a, he was a center prospect and you just knew yeah. what he was. Um, exactly. Like Sengu might be like in a vacuum, a better basketball player than, than Goga. I think that you can certainly make that argument, but like Goga is like probably never going to be anything more than like a good rotation big, which is valuable. Like I was a Goga fan. I still have hopes for him, but like, I don't think you should expect like that much more than, than him from Sengu. I mean, like the Luca comparisons are like obviously. Oh yeah, awesome. that's obviously silly. I I just I don't mean I obviously don't mean that. I, that's why I caveated it. But it's uh, there's one that's the stuff. Not all the way there, but I, yeah. you know I've seen him super high, and I I, I get it from the translation. But uh, I think you and I are pretty close from what you were saying there. I think he's a first rounder, but it's not like he's a uh, you know top ten guy, which I've seen him a couple places. You mentioned Usman Garuba, by the way. I wanted to ask about him later on, but let's just do that now. I love his defense. Like there's so much to like there. Do you think he can be a non-zero on offense? Because if, if he's a non-zero on offense, he's very interesting to me. But I don't I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. Off- I have no idea what he does on offense, honestly. That's my issue. Like I think yeah, I have him in, like inside like like back end top twenty, just because I'm like supremely worried about the offense, like okay. you said. Hey Ben, you you know, you know oh. who picks at twenty? The Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks. 
I wouldn't. I mean, if it had already have like. Oh, I know. Like, it's the fit stuff. Slightly less good on slightly less good defensively, slightly better offensively. Garuba already that they drafted at six overall last year. Like I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be that interested. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, Garuba. If Garuba was two inches taller, he'd be like the best. He'd probably like he definitely challenged Mobley for best defensive prospect in this class. Uh, that's like, the way I actually, actually I literally yeah. said that on my solo episode a couple of uh, days ago, maybe a week ago. Now, as people <laughs> listen to this, I said, look, he's the second best defensive prospect in the class behind Mobley is what I described him as. And that's probably a little bit simplistic, yeah. but I really love his defense. Like he is so much yeah, fun for people to enjoy defense. Like he's. I honestly like want to see like his NBA team try to defend him as a wing. Like like develop him as a wing on both ends, but like defense, I think he could be a really monster wing defender because like while he d- doesn't have like the foot speed for quickness, like his ability to change directions in short areas, um, he has the best hands and arm usage in the class on defense by a mile. Um, attacking against that same FS team, um, you know that that shredded Sangoon. Like, Garuba repeatedly switched on the perimeter and was able to hold his own against Larkin and Mitchich and just their slew of, you know, NBA-level guards. I know there's not a—I know comps are not fun. I was trying to think of a comp for his defense, and I had a a hard time with it. Like, I thought about, like, more athletic, bigger P.J. Tucker, something like that. I don't know. It was like—I'm trying to find—I'm trying to find a— I mean, he's just different, like, athletic. Yeah, I know. It's just very weird. It's so rare. Like, his his short area change direction, like, his instincts, I mean, his reaction speed is— off the charts it's just like 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 he already has issues with size like at at this level and like he's always going to so i think like if you can develop him as a wing like he could get like um like pretty damn good on defense like uh, so i have him as like a very good to great defensive prospect not an elite one i mean within like the top five defensive prospects in this class for sure sure i mean you know not like that elite one or two like like he's not as good as mobley or like someone like franz to me yeah i I just don't know what to do with his offense and you know is is, unless you're i mean even if you are uber elite defensively it's hard to just be a zero on offense and if you're not uber elite if you're you're just like really good it's even harder to be on the court if you can't be something on offense. I don't, yeah. what's the, what's the makeable if That's I, my for, for instance, like, okay, if I ask you this, what is the, what is the path for him to be an acceptable offensive player? Like what actually has to happen in your mind? Like, what's the most likely scenario? Um, he has to develop uh, a closeout attacking mechanism. Yeah. Whatever that is either, which means I think he has to develop the spot up, which is to me going to happen. Like, I think, so he'll, be able, I think he'll be able to shoot in, in, a little like, bit. He already is like, you know, taking them in, in, in your league. Um, he's gonna be fine. Like it's not a difficult thing to do. Um, so, but like the handling, I think um, his like defensive movement pattern, which is like so good for defense, um, like kind of hinders his like offensive like in handle development. The the great Ross Homan uh, many years ago called like Garuba's movement robotic, but in a good way. Like it's not like 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 when Garuba like runs up and down the court. And like changes directions and drop or like on rotation like like he's not like prancing like like Jackson Hayes or <laughs> yeah. Ty Jones, um, but he's like getting like, like like his movements are so efficient. But I think because of that lack of like fluidity, that probably limits his upside as a handler and a perimeter player. Like he doesn't really do anything in terms of perimeter offense, um, and like all of his like finishes was like open dunks. Um, I mean he's probably he's probably too like he's too small to be a role man. Um, like he doesn't really have any scoring 
Um, he's a like I think like the like the passing as well. Like if he can really be a short roll threat, but again, like I think that requires like a really like uh, the the right team construction and probably a little more threat as a scorer. Because like like what happens when he gets in a four on three and and the three just back off him and say go to the rim. Sure. Like just like meet my best weak side rim protector at the rim and let's see what happens. And and they will take that all day over Garuba, you know, having the room to facilitate and kick to a corner or, or make a good, you know, extra pass. Cause he is quite good at that. Like he moves the ball really quickly. He's a great process. He, he feels, yeah, he feels the game really well. He fixed the game yeah. well. And I, I'm like predisposed to liking him. Uh, just, he's the kind of guy that I'm always going to be higher on. I wish it fit better with the Hawks. I could like, I can't really argue for him for Atlanta just because of what they already have. Um, but I, I do think that I, I would have been a lot higher on like two years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think, I think I, I'm going to have him in my top 20, um, for sure even 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 with all that stuff said like even I think as, he has to, yeah i just i like him enough to take him i just don't think it would be for the hawks but somebody's gonna end up with a guy that i like i don't know i don't know where i'd want him but we'll I'll, yeah, I'll, i would I'll totally find understand having him as high as lotter or even like back in top 10 like, yeah. like i get it like, he's that good on defense honestly he, he is. i mean i know like pd thinks there's some like room for him to like develop as a wing on offense which like i'm not sure i believe as much as he does but like you know i, I think like if you can get some like power wing game out of him, because he is like crazy strong, um, and has probably never like you know been taught or know how to like utilize that strength on offense, so I think it's gonna be a, like quite the curve. Um, but yeah, like Garuba's defense is is quite is quite amazing, um, and it's just a shame that he's stagnated offensively like he has, um, you know, just as a result of his context and development. Um, that he's you know just been kind of bland on offense for the last you know two or three years at this point. This is unfortunate. All right, this is Brad coming to you in post production to wrap up part one of a two part podcast. As you listen to this, part two should be available in your podcast feed of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, etc. If not, let me know that at Locked On Hawks on Twitter, but it should be there for you. Please subscribe to the show, leave a five star rating, leave a review, tell your friends, and stay tuned for part two with myself and Ben.